This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 144, and we're recording on Friday, February 12, 2016. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Amanda Nelson. We're coming to you from bookriot.com. We're borrowing Amanda from her own show, which, if you haven't listened, you really should. They've just gone weekly, Amanda and her now regular guest host, co-host, I guess. Co-host, yeah. You can be a regular guest host. That no, doesn't make any no, sense. No. Uh, Jen Northington, who is our events director here at Book Riot. Um, and they do a show every week that takes reader or I guess listener recommend recommendation requests and spends some time answering. So kind of if you like the mid-year and end-of-year rec- recommendation show we've done here in the past, you will definitely like that. They do a hell of a job over there. Um, I'm listening every week, though I'm too behind, which I'm sad to say. Get um, with it. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Get Booked, actually. Um, put there a link in the show notes there. You can search for Get Booked in iTunes or whatever your podcatcher of choice is, and uh, and uh, you can find them over there. Um, how's it going? Are you getting lots of requests? Do you, yes. Are you getting plenty of them? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that going weekly would mean that we could catch up a little bit, but it's actually just made it worse. Probably because, so. yeah, more people, you know, one thing we we met with um, uh, our friends at the Midroll who supply some of our podcast sponsorship, and they said you want to be if you can be weekly. That's kind of the sweet spot for a podcast. Yeah. People know to expect it. Um, we found even on this show, if I'm like six hours late publishing the show on Sunday night, Monday morning, I get tweets. Where's the show? Is everyone okay? <laughs> Did a meteor hit your house? Um, that's meteor. so nice though that people are that like. Yeah. Right, oh nice- no, no. I'm not. I'm not complaining. I, it's it's just striking, and I'm like this too with some of the shows I listen to. It's like. If I know it's supposed, there's one I know that comes out on Thursday mornings, and if it's not there, I'm like, oh god! Even though even I can't <laughs> listen to it right there, get book comes out on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Thursdays. Okay, posted to the to our CMS and then it goes live on Thursdays. Um, what, so what have, what topics have you tackled so far? Give them give them a taste of the topics we've had. Oh my gosh, so many things. We get people asking for recommendations for their book club, like a lot of people who are tired of reading the same old kind of stuff in their book club asking for <laughs> No new- more lovely bones. Yeah, no Please, more- no bel canto. <laughs> um, a lot of people asking for recommendations for um, men who are into like, uh, oh God, now his name is totally like James Patterson. Oh, but they want to uh, actually, we've got a lot of requests for people who have like soldiers overseas that they want to send books to oh, relatives. That's interesting. Yeah. And I thought that was really nice uh, stuff for people to read on their deployment stuff for people to read while they're traveling. Uh, we did it. We, the first couple episodes were themed. So we have a romance episode. We have a horror episode. Now we're just doing, you know, doing the questions as they come in. Mm. So there's a lot of variety and Jen is in never-ending fountain of book knowledge. Yes, so, a former um, bookseller, Jen Northington. Yeah, um, yeah. And so she, and you, you've been a bookseller yourself, so you, you are a, uh, skilled in the art of hand-selling. I'm no slouch, but she is beyond. <laughs> no, you don't want to go against Jen for hand-selling. Uh, that's that's a fool's errand. Um, yeah, go check out the show. It's called Get Booked. comes out Thursday mornings. Uh, you know, if you have a recommendation request, there's an email form on every podcast episode post. You can send if you want a recommendation for yourself or somebody else, um, as specific as I really liked X book to I kind of want something like a qualitative description and then, you know, sort of the, the whole gamut in between. Go check it out. OK, let's do our first sponsor. That's Audible is back again. Audible, as you know, because you've listened to us is the world's leading provider of audio programs. So that, that it's not just audio books, though that's a lot of it, but also um, broadcasts, magazine and newspapers, 
business information. So I, I thought we t- we talk about books here and we do recommendations on books, but they have all kinds of stuff there. Um, the other day I was l- listening, uh, looking for uh, Roger. I don't know if you, how you say the the writer for the New Yorker. Do you know um, Roger An- Angel? Angel A N G E L L. I've never heard the name said aloud. Um, the book, the book lovers lament, of course. Who is you know uh, the New Yorker's longtime baseball writer? But he has a new book out, and I was looking for that, but I saw a bunch of his old columns from the New Yorker were available um, on Audible. So that's interesting too. And if you've got if you've got something that um, you know a teenager wouldn't mock you for. It can play Audible books. You know, they've got dedicated apps for iPhones, iPads, Android, and Windows devices. A hundred, uh, excuse me, 500 MP3 players. You don't have to worry about that. Also can play on your computer as well. Unlike a streaming or rental service with Audible, you own your books. You own those files. So you can use the app anytime, even if you've, uh, you know, given up a subscription or something like that. Great listen guarantee. If you don't like the book you chose, and I've done this several times myself, just say, you know, you go log into your Audible account, and say, you know what? I didn't like this. There's a little button. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to email anybody. It's all automated and it's instant. So, you know, they really want you to make sure you're happy with an audiobook. there. Um, right now, go to audiblepodcast.com slash bookriot and you can get your free 30-day trial. You can go check it out. Right now, I am just in the middle of uh, Give and Take by Adam Grant. He is an economist uh, at the Wharton School of Penn, uh, at Penn. And it is about basically people's you know, there's there's three modes of reciprocity. People, these are the people that sort of givers, takers, and matchers. So basically, if you're a, uh, I guess there's more. You know, if you're a giver, you sort of just your your mode is just to help people without thinking about what's going to get you in return. A taker sort of tries to balance the algebra where they get more than they give. They give as little as possible to get as much as they can. And then the matcher is sort of you know they they work on the barter system like you know tit for tat, quid pro quo. I guess other cliches. I'm sure <laughs> they're there, but it's it really. He's talking about how it's one interesting thing he's noticed in his research, and there's a bunch of studies, but it's also very um, it's very uh, listenable. I guess is the verb uh, the ad- adverb we would use because um, it it mixes stories and personal stories with the research um, Grant has done himself with his team and other people, and saying how givers basic uh, um, givers end up on the bottom and on the top of basically performance and achievement skills. Um, among the three different sort of reciprocity profiles, um, I, f- I think it's really interesting. It's a good. He's, a, he's got a new book out called Originals, which is about um, the value of nonconformity. I think I'm going to read that next, and I got them both on Audible. So um, as the Busman MBAs continue, that's the next stop. The the work of uh, Adam Grant. Uh, are you, what are you listening to? Anything on audio recently? Oh, the girl on the train. Oh, and yes. my book club picked it, and yes. so I'm like three fifths of the way through. Okay. And I am liking it. Do you? I can okay. see why it was. I can see why it, mm. it, the book became what it became. The, cool. This big, huge, buzzy thing. But I'm just kind of waiting for the ending because you know it's got to have some sort of big twist. Ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, waiting for the shoe to drop, and right. I just vibe like white knuckled, like what's happening? So yeah, we'll yeah. See. I don't, good. The I'm glad. Could either make it or break it for me. So mm-hmm. we'll see how. Well, isn't that the way with? You know, uh, you know, any with cultural any object with an inferred twist. Yes. Like you sort of know there's a twist. Even I guess even that I think we've talked about this on the show before. Even that's a kind of a spoiler. Like you know a twist is coming. Yes. Well, the um, comparisons, the Gone Girl comps, kind of right, guaranteed. You right. Knew that it was- right. Right. Yeah. If you compare anything to the Sixth Sense or Gone Girl <laughs> yeah. or uh, what this is, 
been a while, but Primal Fear, that Ed Norton, Richard Gere movie that has a big twist at the end. Sorry, spoiler alert. It's 20 years old now. Um, and it's not exactly a spoiler, but it's sort of an inferred spoiler. i got to watch out for that. Yeah, famously, uh, as I talked about on the show, and I got, a lot of, a lot of, I got a lot of people saying, oh, my God, thank you for saying it. I DNF'd Girl on the Train, mostly because I was up at the library and we were moving, and I just have never found a reason to come back to it. But um, you're not alone out there if it wasn't for you, but I'm glad to hear you were enjoying it. Of course, Girl on the Train, available on audible.com. Thanks so much to Audible for sponsoring the show and uh, you know a lot of different Book Riot stuff over the years. They've been a great supporter of ours making this possible. Okay, well, is this the biggest publishing news of the year? I mean, well, the Amazon bookstore, so it, it oh, looks like Amazon are... is not going to open 300 bookstores. The, it, I guess that's our follow-up is like, as things have cooled down, it looks like maybe six in the next year or so, um, <laughs> which is not three or four hundred, because even I can handle that kind of math. So that that news of the year kind of fizzled out, but in 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 its absence, in the vacuum created by the news cycle in the on the booknet of Amazon opening three hundred independent or excuse me three hundred bookstores, um, the queen of the booknet's back page, J.K. Rowling, <laughs> reared her head again, and it was announced this week that the play Harry Potter and the Cursed Child will be available in book form starting July 31st here stateside. It's Ooh. going to be the it's going to be the play. It's not a book it's not a prose book but it is actually, you know, the 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 stage play. Um hardback edition will be available the day after they debut um on stage. Uh, and it's going to be, you know, father is an is a father an overworked Ministry of Magic employee. Uh, he's become, I guess, a, uh, uh, a wizard crat in the bureaucracy. Um, original news story by J.K. Rowling, Jack Thorne, and John Tiffany. Um, the untold, untold part of the boy wizard stories, including the stories of the lives of his murdered parents. So there's, it's going to be flashback heavy, I guess, or some um, uh, Accio nostalgia or whatever is going to happen on there. So there, there is going to there's an ebook available at the same time. Um, Anything else? And then, I mean, that's that's the facts. Before we get into implication and relative excitement levels, um, that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess. I mean, there's so much more demand for the story than the the theater itself can ever contain. It makes all the sense in the world they'd get it out there. Yeah. Um, rate your excitement for me on a scale of uh, one one to ten. Five. Five. Okay. Yeah, I don't care. You so don't much. care. Well. I care. That's a but I don't one. Care. Is it don't care is a one, or I guess maybe don't one is active loathing. Stop. Put, <laughs> throw my body in front of this if I could. No. So there, for a lot of reasons, it's not <clears throat> the play isn't just written by J.K. Rowling. It's her yeah. and two other authors. Mm-hmm. So who knows like how who, much. As far as we know, those aren't also pseudonyms. Those are real human males. Right. Not, it's unlike not Robert like Galbraith. Parts of personality that yeah. he wrote. A different, <laughs> that's a much. <laughs> um, also, I I just. Enough with the Potter. It. Enough with yeah, the Potter. I don't yeah. need it. Like the last book was good for me. I don't need Fantastic Tales of Beasts and where to. Yeah, what I'm not excited I for that at all. I'd say for Fantastic Beasts is like a three for me. I'm not even sure I'll see it in the theater. Yeah, five. for me to be really excited about like a sequel set this far uh-huh. into the future in the Potter universe, it would have to just be another book that she wrote by herself. Yeah. Like well, so normal, what if what if the news was, in addition to the play, there is a rolling authored prose novel. How, what, what, it moves it from a five to a what? A nine. Oh, wow. Okay, that big It's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this feels like such a money grab to me. And I don't, I mean, that's ungenerous, but it, it definitely feels like she's working with other people to 
Um, make more stuff. Make more stuff in the Potter universe, which is totally do right. it. Like she's doing excellent things with her money, and mm-hmm. she can do whatever she wants, obviously. But that doesn't yeah, mean well, that I have if, to. If anyone's going to get a whole bunch of money in the book world, I think we'd all well. I'm not sure we would choose her number one since she already has a billion, but uh, yeah, I think your begrudge is right. No one out there is begrudging her. She gives enough of a way. Seems very responsible and generous with it. Um, yeah, it's interesting that a five to nine. So, so I guess. Me, I guess. I also think that it's nice that well, not nice. I mean, it obviously makes business sense, but I think that it shows concern for her fans that who can't afford to come to London to yes. see the show. I was thinking the same thing. Um, because even if you could get a ticket, there, you know, a, a West End show or a Broadway show with this kind of demand, I mean, you need no look farther than what it costs you to go in to see Hamilton right now. Exactly. Um, you know, several hundred dollars uh, to to get in there to, to see the t- to see the show. So forget. So you're, if you got a family of four or a family of one, forget four. But you know, twelve hundred bucks to, for your four people to see it. This makes it much more of a democratic mood. Parts one and two is interesting. Harry mm-hmm. Potter and the Cursed Child parts one and two. I I don't know. Um, I was looking around and I think the play is also parts one and two. Yeah, it's two. Uh, it's two I don't know why it's not. I don't know why there's that distinction if they're going to be performed um, together as a play, but also you know put put between the same set of covers. Um, so the 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 form, the art form itself between play and novel makes. A, a great deal of difference to you. I'd say it makes a, a huge difference to me as well, and I don't really know why. Maybe it's, you know, the novel form is what I've come to know the Harry Potter series to be principally. Maybe it is some sense that it would be watered down by having two co-creators. Um, you know, she is writing those Fantastic Beasts movies also, and I think probably there isn't enough rolling to go around to to write a novel in a time, or, uh, an eighth novel and do the script. Um so it could be that we're just seeing that there's there's she needs help to do all the producing she wants to do. Well, um, also a, a play, reading a play is not a fully formed artistic experience. No, you it's know, not. like you sit down to read a book and you're getting everything that you need there. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I mean the play, the the play, the script is you know what you can have. Yeah. Um, short of seeing it, but it is no, nothing like seeing a play, and it's nothing it's like, like half, reading a it's novel. It's half of it. It's half yeah, of... it's like a diet coke. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, that's like what I, fine. I'm it's, fine. If you can't fair. do any better, it's fine. Well, that's kind of how I feel about this whole situation, to be honest. Like, really, what I want is an ice cold coke and a in a tall, um, perspiring, ice filled glass. But all that I can have is a sort of a lukewarm diet coke out of a can, and I'll drink it. Don't get me wrong. But boy, it really reminds me how much I want the the full yeah. the the full octane Coca Cola. Um, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this will sell, no question. Um, do you think it it certainly won't sell as much as an eighth book, an eighth novel? I wouldn't think. Do you think? I mean, am I right? Is yeah, your sense I don't, of the, it won't? And it's also way expensive. It's like thirty dollars. Yeah, it's very expensive. The the question will be: Will it be the best selling book in North in the United States in in twenty sixteen? Well, do you think? Yes, I think you so. You think so? It already broke a bunch of records. Right, yeah. The first, do you first think step. it will outsell? Say, like you know, uh, the you know the numbers we're getting out of, uh, you know, kind of the the top five we've seen from twenty fifteen, which were all in the one point two to one point five million copy range. You think it does better than that? Does it beat Ghost of the Watchmen? Does it beat Correct? That's what I was saying. I was thinking, well, based yeah. on like the ephemeral books around other stuff that yeah. came out recently. So like, will it beat Ghost of the Watchmen? Probably. Will it beat Grey? Huh? 
I mean, as Man. far as we can tell, and again, we haven't, we haven't, we will never get an official, um, you know, sort of uh, winners. The tail of the tape on Gray versus goes to the Watchmen, thankfully, because I think I would lose that if we did. But mm-hmm. um, it looks like Gray probably, with if you could wrap ebooks in, probably outsold Ghost at a Watchman in terms of units, and Ghost at a Watchman probably netted more revenue just because the sales price per copy was higher. Um, I would expect it to beat both of those myself. Um, and I guess the other th- question of is it's good, right? That's the, that's one of the caveats I said when we were first I was first made the the tentative, you know, sort of uh, gentle woman's bet with Re- with Rebecca and Sarah McLean that I thought Ghost had a Washington would outsell Gray. And I said, if either of them are materially better than the other, at least, you know, relative to what the fans' expectations are, then that one will win. I think both of them were sort of meh um, to the fan bases. Now, I guess we'll see. If it's super interesting and a lot is revealed, um, it could, I think it could really do well. Uh, if it's, if it feels like the third part of the Hobbit movie trilogy, sort of an yeah. unnecessary add-on, then it won't do as well. But there's unquestionably pent-up demand. Um, really interesting to see. I wonder if, I wonder if Jack Thorne and John Tiffany, are they going to get royalties? Like, I wonder how they're, they're splitting up the, the pig in that regard. Because, boy, if they do, um, good job, guys, <laughs> for, for getting in on that. I want um, to know who these people are. I've never... Yeah. Are these, like, well-known Playwrights? I'm not really. I don't know. Plays. I remember when the for, the story first broke that the, the, this play would happen at all. That um, sort of this team had to pitched her, like she at least that's what she says. Mm. They pitched her rather than she went out looking for ghostwriters, co-conspirators situation. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, that that's the story. Um, will be interesting to see. Scholastic is already on social media. I've seen really putting it out there. Um, that's coming July 31st. It's available for pre-order now uh, through all the through all the usual places. Um, all right, let's let's go on. It's it's adaptation ancillary adaptation. Prop- yeah, adaptation. It's <laughs> it's adaptation ancillary property week here on the show. Um, the next one that's interesting. Well, we got some stats to do, but let's let's group all these together. What's more interesting to you, Elena Ferrante coming to TV or the third one? I won't say it now. The third one. Okay, we'll get to Ferrante. So the next one is, uh, speaking of of Milk and the Cow. um, (laughs) And plays. Aaron Sorkin is adapting To Kill a Mockingbird for Broadway. What? Um, I know. (laughs) The stage version, uh, it's going to be staged during the 2017-2018 season, so presumably the fall of 2017. Um, and the direct under the direction of Tony Award winner Bartlett Sher, who is represented on Broadway now, and he has revivals of The King and I and Fiddler on the Roof. No casting was revealed. Sorkin um, has written plays before. A Few Good Men started out as a play. And The Farnsworth Invention, which is about the history of the invention of television, also uh, was, on, um, was on Broadway. And No Stranger to Adaptations here. He's done Moneyball, The Social Network, uh, let's see, what was it? What was the Steve Jobs movie? Steve Jobs movie and Charlie Wilson's War um, were all adaptations. Um, hmm. <laughs> how, how interested are you in this on a scale of one to ten? I am so interested in oh, this. Oh, like, really? Like uh, I would have seven. I, I can't even. Maybe really? You're very excited. I am. Well, excited is not the same as interested. Hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I love Aaron. Your brain Sorkin. excited. Your brain yes. excited. Yes. Okay. I, I mean, I, I love Aaron Sorkin because I love the West Wing, but, um, I saw somebody on Slack, which is our internal social uh-huh. network that we use with the contributors, um, 
found a quote about this story, I think from either Vulture or Vice, either one would make sense, that was like, this is the perfect thing for Aaron Sorkin to do, adapting a book about a white man explaining <laughs> liberalism yes. to a young girl. Yes. Couldn't agree more. Which, yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Like, that's where my reservations about it are right there, yeah. is that Sorkin doesn't have a great track record with diversity, doesn't have a great track record with feminism. He's got a, a great track record with explaining liberal stuff yes. in ways that are funny and fast paced. So, but then again, like Alabama in 1930, not so fast paced. Are yeah. people just going to walk up and down the courtroom talking at each other? Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I, th- I think, I mean, it's, it's sort of clear, you know, sort of the, the spiritual ancestry is that Atticus Finch is sort of Jed Bartlett's Patronus, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, yes. so it, it's, it's no, it's no, it's no mistake. Um, and then I guess, you know, sort of to, to use the West Wing analogies again, that Donna, I guess, who her job is to have things explained to her, uh-huh. uh, sort of on the West Wing is, is Scout. Um, and, you know, I think it will certainly be competent. Um, yes. I assume it will be pretty faithful as well. You can't mess around with this too much, even Sorkin. Um, I'm surprised that he's going to do it. Like, it doesn't seem like there's any upside to here, to him. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's interested in it. But, like, Broadway is a relatively low-stakes area compared to Hollywood stuff. And if it turns out okay, does he get credit for it? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too um, career-oriented. But I'm a little surprised he agreed to do it, to take on a property of that. You know, a, this is something – he's never taken on a property of this, uh, uh, I guess, magnitude before. Um, everything else has been, you know, some of them have been hits, uh, but nothing where it's like a beloved classic with an existing film version, you know, that kind of, you know, you already have a big, I guess, even a To Kill a Mockingbird canon of representations. Um, well, not even, not in, ter- not in terms of number, but in terms of uh, invested value and interest. Um, be very interesting to see, very interesting to see. Um, and so let's see. Coming out in, I guess, about a year's time, year a year from the fall. Um, I guess that's all we know about it right now. Yeah, I'm kind of nervous. Yeah, I'm kind of nervous. Well, I don't know that I'm nervous. I mean, he can't out, he can't make Finch any more of a mansplain. I mean, he can't, can he really sort of marginalize the black storyline any more than <laughs> he already does? No, no. I mean, I don't not. know. I but can, also, like, Dude's from New York. How is he going to nail the South? That's hard. Like, oh, I don't know. that is hard. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. Hey, where do you know where Sorkin is from? Is he from California or something? I thought he was from New York. Oh, is he from New York? Maybe I don't. I actually don't know where. Either he's from. way. Yeah, um, I guess probably as much as anything. I mean, the other thing about Broadway too is the direction is so important. I mean, movies are the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, how the screenplay is directed, um, or excuse me, the the stage play is directed will be as as key as anything. I mean, is he going to be? Is he just going to be? repackaging existing dialogue will there be new dialogue um is it just deciding which scenes to show and sort of that that i guess that's what's interesting to me is like how do you take a you know holy text you know american holy text like this and adapt it um i guess you you read the putto you you could just make a play version of the movie you know that's that's something that could happen as well i suppose uh, uh. 
I'm yeah. going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go see it. I'm going to try to go You're going to make your way up there? I'm going to do it. Yeah. If I, anything I, will get me to New York, yeah. it's not <laughs> That's it true. That's a really good point. If anything I could get you to, up to New York for, I, this would probably <laughs> be it. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to think. Um, I wonder what the demand will be like. Like, are people going to be clamoring for tickets? I don't know. I think, I think so. Yeah. Like, this is a really... Interesting Venn diagram of white liberalism. Uh, <laughs> so, like, this, it's, this is the White Hut Center. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Maybe if it was bankrolled by Bernie Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Uh, uh, speaking of things white people like, Elena Ferrante, <laughs> her series of four Neapolitan novels um, will be adapted for television. Um in Italy. In Italy. It's set in Italy. Shot in Italy. These two, Fremantle Media and Fandango Productions, it doesn't say where it's going to be uh, shot, where it's going to air. So I think it's going to be one of those deals where they're going to shoot it, they're going to start developing it, and then find a place to show it. So it could be, you know, now we have, so we, could, we could watch it on uh, Hulu or Netflix or Amazon or broken up into Instagram episodes. You see people are doing <laughs> series on Instagram now, 30 seconds at a time. Give no, me a break. That no, it, yeah, it's it's a horror show. Um I've been say I've been waiting to read this since the fourth book out. It's it no longer violates O'Neill's razor to start it um since it's over. I think I'm going to try to hit it this summer since it feels like a summertime kind of sitting, though I know very little about it. I've kind of tried to keep myself uh fresh. You said you read the first one, but uh, Shall you go no farther? Thou shall not pass, or do you? Are oh you think, no, I'm going to. You're going to go for I was also waiting until I ah, got yes. yeah. Um, yeah. the rest of them, and it's one of the. Um, I'm a judge for this year's best translated book award, oh, and the that's fourth right. one is, is up and is doing really well in like the internal conversations that the judges mm. have been having. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to read them all one way or the other. Um, oh, so if you're betting on the translation weeks. prize, you just got insider information. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe I don't yeah. know. We'll um, see. We'll see. Yeah, but no, I no. love the first one. Oh, did you? I'm so glad to hear it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to reading it. Um, do you, just from what you've seen of the first novel, uh, read of the first novel, does it feel like it will make an interesting adaptation? Can you I see it as an adaptation? So the first, I mean, like the, all four books are the story of this, uh, friendship between two little girls starting from, you know, when they're in mm. elementary school going on up to their adulthood. And the first book is mostly when they're kids. So ah. uh, like a four part TV show about two little girls playing with dolls is like, I mean, it makes for an excellent novel because the, the narrator is an adult. And so she has yeah. that, um, that perspective, but how's that going to translate to TV? I don't know. I mean, I'll watch it, but I, yeah, for each book is going to get eight episodes. Yeah. And, but Ferrante is says this article and Vulture says Ferrante is actually involved in the production. Mm. So Yay. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, what does it could possibly get? The thing I like about this kind of story, which takes place over many decades, is I, I certainly prefer TV series over a movie because movies are terrible. One thing books destroy movies on is time, long stretches of time. You can make a four hundred page novel feel like legitimately over ten or twenty years. Very hard to do that in a ninety to one hundred and twenty minute movie. It just moves too fast um, to to really feel like you get the emotional epic that you know it makes the best of these kind of long-term family friend dynamic stories um so yeah I, I'm, I'm 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 gonna make sure i get it um read and they're and they're long too right the books are pretty long well like yeah 350 ish pages i think they get longer 
Um, I was in the book. I was at, I was in Powell's the other day, and I took a look at. Him. I was like, hmm, yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna. I really am gonna wait till the summer. And I have some traveling in a little a little break in the schedule to get there. Um, so so we've got the Sorkin, we've got the Rolling, and the Ferrante. Do you go Sorkin slash Lee, then Rolling, then Ferrante, or as far Ferrante, as excitement then, level? Yeah, your excitement, your relative excitement levels. Uh, yeah, Sorkin, Rowling, Ferrante, Rolling, whatever. Right, right, Rolling, Rolling, Rowling. I always, I will mess it up forever. Always until and forever. I die. Until story I die. of my life. Put it on my tombstone. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's rolling out. like bowling. <laughs> I know. Michelle's like she and just rainbow rowl like ro- towel. Rowl like towel. But how do you know it's not rowling like toweling? Um. Yeah, interesting. Really good stuff. Uh, a huge, a huge week in news for adaptations. And uh, you know, I guess I'm. I should never be surprised. There's just a, a never-ending stream of adaptation news. Um, let's do some. Let's do some. Some some studies and surveys. Some stats. Um, if I hadn't looked at this before, I would ask you to guess what the top <laughs> ten most assigned books are in the Ivy League. But I did look at it, and it is a really hard game. In fact, Shinsky and I, we were at some doing some meetings in L.A. this week, and I, pull, I saw this um, story, and I quizzed her just to see. And it was a, she got a couple, which is way better than I would have done. But it is a tough list. I, I'm surprised by this list. Aren't you? Did you look at this? Yes. Well, are, the, are you talking about the overall ones? I guess the both. English, the English literature. Okay, the English lit. Lists I was not surprised by at all, but the overall ones okay. I was because I don't. Yeah, I don't even recognize some of these. Right. Well, like two. Yeah. So the so the let's start with the mm-hmm. English lit ones. Um, okay. Which ones would do you think you would have guessed? I mean, we can't go back and, and roll it back, but which ones do you think you would have guessed on the on the all schools list? All schools. Okay, I definitely would have said Canterbury Tales and okay. Paradise Lost. Yep. Hamlet is a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oedipus is a given. That's mm. probably it. Probably it. Yeah. Yeah. I would have. And the I other ones are short stories. Right? I would or have guessed. Poems. I would have guessed Canterbury Tales. Um, I don't know that I would have guessed Hamlet just because it's kind of like, I feel like the Shakespeare sometimes can cancel itself out because you can get so many. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can get any number of choices, but the Hamlet, even among the the Shakespeare that get assigned. It's the fifth most assigned. Also the fifth most assigned of, of, among Ivy League schools. The number one most assigned was Frankenstein. I wouldn't have guessed that. I, no, I wouldn't have either. given 10 guesses to get that. Number two is Canterbury Tales. This is all schools. Paradise Lost. Then Heart of Darkness. Um, then Hamlet. Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. The Yellow wa- Wallpaper. Young Goodman Brown. Um, the Awakening. And, and Oedipus. Um, I guess, what, if anything, I guess I'm surprised not to see... <sighs> Um, Don Quixote. Yeah, it's so long. Hmm. Um, I'm surprised not to see the Bible, but oh, I guess yeah. that that trends more towards Western civ philosophy history. Um, this is real lit. I guess I'm surprised not to see the Inferno. I feel like everyone reads the oh. Inferno. And Wait. Young Goodman Brown and the Yellow Wall. Well, the Yellow Wallpaper is a novella, but Young Goodman Brown isn't that a short story? I'm not sure. Nathaniel Hawthorne. It's a Nathaniel. Yeah, Hawthorne. it is. I think it is. And Yellow Wallpaper. Is it a novella length? I thought it was, is it that long? No, I think it's a short story. I think it's a short story too. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't have thought short stories. I would have thought short stories, there are so many short stories you could pick from. Again, they kind of cancel each other out. I guess yeah. Inferno is the one I'm I'm surprised. I'm also surprised not to see the Iliad or the Odyssey. But also maybe in they can In either, in all schools or in the Iliad. Yeah, in, I, in either. And, but maybe they cancel themselves out too. A lot of schools do one or the other. 
Um, but and persuasion. I, okay, so persuasion. Yes, is the Ivy third League schools. So we just did all schools. Ivy League schools. Yeah. You want to okay. run down those for me? Okay. Uh, yeah. Canterbury Tales, Paradise Lost, Persuasion, The Fairy Queen, Hamlet, The Spanish Tragedy. Well, I don't even know what that is. Uh, I think that's the story that Hamlet's based on. If I Weird. remember that, the the I'll look it up while we're going. But okay. keep going. Yeah. Uh, Heart of Darkness, Jude the Obscure, random. Yeah, they're random. What do you pick? Twelfth uh, Night and Frankenstein. So two Shakespeare's. Mm-hmm. Um, so odd. Um, is it the obscure? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's 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 the uh, it's the 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 play that most people think um, uh, Shakespeare based Hamlet on. Thomas okay. Kidd is frequently proposed as the author of the hypothetical Ur Hamlet that may have been one of Shakespeare's primary sources for Hamlet. But the Spanish tragedy has the play within a play used to trap a murderer that Shakespeare uses the, the mouse trap um in in Hamlet. So maybe they they're 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 shown together, they're read together. Um Thomas Kidd also wrote uh the Spanish tragedy um sometime between fifteen eighty two and fifteen ninety. It's funny to me that the Ivy Leagues don't have any modern it like there's no Virginia Zero. Wolf. There's no 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 love song, no yeah. no no even Goodman Brown. Like what's no, the Elliot, latest yeah. what's the latest title? Um, no, not Persuasion. Frankenstein? Uh, Jude the Obscure, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's right. Um, boy, no, I remember, well, I, Heart of Darkness? No, that's... Jude oh, yeah, Obscure. Heart of Darkness. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Sorry, Heart okay. of Darkness. Um, I'm surprised. God, I had to read The Fairy Queen as an undergraduate. Did you have to do that? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> boy, I hated that. Uh, persuasion as the Austin is surprising to me. Yeah, It's no, my favorite Austin, but also, like... I didn't realize people who was... know Austin tend to like persuasion better. I, I'm not, I, I'm a pride and prejudice person, but I also, I really like persuasion. Yeah. I'm surprised that it's it not only is it the Austin, but it's the third most, uh, uh, assigned on yeah. the Ivy league record. Let's jump up. These are all books. Um, so all syllabi, uh, not just, not English just thing. English, not just philosophy. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and this this is a bloodbath. If I got this on Jeopardy or you know Family Feud, I guess would be the one because you could guess a whole bunch of them. I I would be out three strikes. I don't yeah. think I would have get. Well, I think I may have guessed the Republic just because I know like many Western Civ courses and philosophy courses begin basically with the Republic. It's the second most uh, assigned on all schools, and it's the first uh, most. It's, it's the most assigned among the Ivy League schools. Um, from there, did anything that you think you might have guessed? Not you know you would have guessed, but you maybe you would have, if you had a long list, you would have come up with. I would have come up with the Prince. Oh and yeah, probably the Communist Manifesto. Yeah, not yeah. I think those I may have had a shot now, though. I, I'm th- I feel like I'm giving myself too much credit. Um, let's see. In all it. schools, it like, goes the elements of style, which sure. is a smart guess. I just wouldn't have thought of it. Um, you know, freshman comp courses. Um, from sea to shining sea, have to have mm-hmm. to do omit needless words by Strunk and White, and then the Republic. Then it's this biology textbook, I guess. That's this just called biology. Biology, <laughs> yeah, the third most assigned. Then the Communist Manifesto. Then the Ethics by Aristotle. Machiavelli is a prince. Uh, the Leviathan uh, by John Stuart Mill. Right? I'm gonna. I'm, I'm sorry. What? Is it Hobbes? Or is it Hobbes? Oh yes, it is Hobbes. Sorry, I'm, I'm screwing up my English economists. Um, an Oedipus. <laughs> Um, by Sophocles, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and then a manual for writers of term papers, theses, and et cetera. Um, is the bottom. Ivy League, very similar list, really. 
uh, Republic 1, Class of Civilizations 2, Elements of Style 3, Leviathan, The Prince, Democracy in America by de Tocqueville, A Theory of Justice, Letters from a Birmingham Jail by uh, Martin Luther King Jr. On Liberty, that might be John Stuart Mill. Um, and then Evolution of Cooperation, which is a book I do not know, but maybe it's taught in business schools is my only guess there. Um, one person of color off all of these? Yeah. Yep. MLK Jr. For, for all of the lists, including all the, the lists. And we've got one, two ladies, right? Mary Shelley in uh, Austin. And one American. Not great. One American? Apologies. No, no. We've got four Americans. We've got Chopin. Uh... Well, how do you call Elliot? <laughs> uh, oh, there's um, uh, what's her name? Gilman, who's wrote the yellow wallpaper? What's her name? Charlotte Perkins. Par- Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Yeah, something like that. Um, she's American too. Um, so yeah, uh, kind of a kind of a dreary list, if you ask me. All around, yep. I have to say, uh, even as someone who has has both taught and taken school English courses at all schools and Ivy League schools. Um, not one that gets my heart pumping real fast, I have to say. Uh, yeah. So there you go. There you go. Uh, it, it Maybe may be best that this is what prospective English majors are seeing that awaits them, save them from from the fate of being an English major. Um, Should we just not? Yes, let's not do that. Uh, anything else about that one? It's just depressing. Anything you're surprised not to see on there? On either of the lists. Not really. Well, no. I think there are more things that I'm surprised to see yeah. Than, yeah, yeah. than anything else. I mean, it is hard to come up with something. It's the same old, same old. Like, yeah, it's hard to find like a replacement value. Moby uh, Dick, maybe? I'm yeah, surprised. Moby Dick or Huck Finn, I thought, you know, gets taught all over the place. I was almost thinking, you know, th- their Moby eyes were watching up. God also is a syllabi staple in English departments now. Um, even, you know, frankly, just sometimes is a. Is a Make sure it's not all white dudes move, um, though it certainly deserves to be there under any circumstance, but it is the go-to if you're looking for something else. And rightly so. Um, not rightly so, but understandably so. Um, yeah, you know, I guess I'm surprised. Yeah, like I said, Inferno, that's the other one. Um, yeah, that's really it. Um, okay, let's move along. So last year was a good year for bookstores. Bookstores doing better. Bookstore Ish. sales up for the first time in eight years. This according to Publishers Weekly. Um, book sales rose, bookstore sales rose 2.5% in 2015, make, marking the first time since 2007 that sales in the sector were up. The real eye-opening thing there is that 2007 was eight years ago, um, but <laughs> I'll just sort of leave that to the side. Preliminary figures released by the U.S. Census Bureau, of all people, got involved in this particular mess. Total bookstore sales in 2015 hit $11.17 billion, up from $10.89 billion in 2014. Sales of bookstores are strong without 15. December sales having risen a robust 8.7%. So the holiday season is especially good um, this year for the, the, the physical bookstore industry, showed some sales in, some, some declines in ebook sales, so print making that up as well. Um, still far off from the high point in 2007, when sales were mm. $17 billion. billion. So a $5 billion haircut in bookstore sales since 2007. But 
the bleeding seems to have at least temporarily been staunched. Um, stanched? Staunched. 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 I don't even know what stanched is. Probably what you do with a stanchion. You stanch it. Um, <laughs> yeah. What else to say about that? Anything? Why? Why? <laughs> Coloring books? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Color- I don't Coloring know if that's books. a, I don't know if that's good, makes people depressed or... At least they're they're supporting physical bookstores by buying coloring books. Um, I guess I've read a couple of think pieces in the past couple of months about how millennials overwhelmingly prefer print. Yes, in, in their like obsession with all things that feel vintage, yeah. which is also why record stores are making yeah. a resurgence. So, I uh, I don't think we talked about it last week on the show, but I linked to it in critical linking <clears> in one of the posts this week. Uh, college students surveyed ninety two percent prefer print books to ebooks, yeah. um, which is. Either a testament to the enduring utility of print, or a severe indictment of the utility of ebooks, or yeah. maybe both. both. Um, first, if I'm if I'm a student, or when I was a student, especially pen having a pen was so important to me. And there yet, even with the iPad Pro, which I have here in the house and I've messed around with, there's just no equivalent to underlighting, highlighting, dog earing, flagging, posting. You know, there's just mm-hmm. you just can't replicate that yet, and I don't know that you will anytime soon, just the nature of the beast, um, where, where you can do it that way. Um, it's good. 2.5%. I guess the other thing that's interesting to know about that is that inflation itself was like 0.2% last year. So that they, you know, it's outpacing the, by a factor of 10, sort of the growth of um, inflation, which is something to, to watch for. Cause sometimes you get numbers like, yeah, look, uh, they're up marginally or even, Mm -hmm. even worse when, you know, bookstore sales are down, 4% 4% and inflation is 3%. So it even is worse by nature. Um, this says that the ebook sales really surged from 2009 to 2010. So there was like a dip in physical bookstore sales even before ebook sales started started to take um, a big bite out of it. So th- that's interesting. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Um, is this kind of a little peak in a long, tre- you know, sort of a long bleeding trend down? Um, or is it really a sign that there's some sort of temporary or intermediate or long-term bottom um, in the total sales from bookstores. What's your sense of it? I I just don't think there's any way to know. I mean, like, I I generally, because I'm so, I don't know, self-focused, tend to focus, like, make my own feelings and project them on Mm -hmm. the rest of the entire industry. And my feelings are that I like e-books and they're convenient and I have them, but I will always choose a print book yeah. when presented with the option. and that, But that's not an indictment of e-books and I do read e-books, but just not nearly as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I assume that every other reader is just like me. <laughs> so um, uh, so that's probably what I think is going to happen is that e-book sales will taper off and print will either recover or, or you know. Yeah, they'll slowly go work. down together, you know, sort of lockstep e-books and print. I just yeah. feel like the, the relationship with them has, has reached some sort of equilibrium um, so that now ebooks, it's not ebooks versus print anymore. Or what to, to see what was going to win? It's more of a. There's going to be a certain percentage of all book sales that are ebooks, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be the industry. Um, I guess the other thing to remember about 2007 is I think Borders went out of business in 2008, mm. and so presumably took at least a billion dollars in sales, I believe, with it, um, if not more. So that's that's another confounding factor in the slope. Uh, the downward slope of uh, bookstore sales. I mean, I, I think, you know, people always bring up the, 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 the music thing and the, the video store thing. 
um, as, you know, of course e- bookstores are going to die. And this was the narrative, I'd say, from, two, you know, really in 2005 to 2007 when Amazon was taking off in a, in a major way, that bookstores were just another data point in stores that can be disrupted and go away. And I think I think the things people didn't either realize who made that prediction um, or just, just or underestimated at all was that going to a bookstore is not like going to Blockbuster. It just isn't. Um, right. And not even really going to a record store, especially after CDs were a thing, when you're thumbing through a bunch of little CD cases, like, that's not a lot of fun. That's not a lot of fun to do. Whereas if you go to the bookstore, it's still fun. Like, I still like walking around at Barnes & Noble. Um, Me even too. If, even if it's mostly Legos um, these days. I still, I still like, do it, like, once a month. Just yeah, to see I do. What, I like to see what's out there. Out there. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's certainly not like going to an independent bookstore. And then secondarily, you know, once you put on an MP3 or you put on a CD, the experience is largely the same. Mm-hmm. Whereas the experience is not largely the same to have a print book in your hand versus an ebook. Um, I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but they're not the same. Um, so they're not interchangeable so that digital can't just displace. It can't do every. I mean, really with MP3s, they do almost every. They do really everything a record or a CD does, but better. It's more transportable. It's not bulky. Um, the fidelity is the same. Um, but with a book, it's different. It just is different. And yeah. these stats about college students and kids, there's another one. I don't think I linked to it today where even younger kids massively prefer print. My kids certainly do. Um, they have some books and things on, on our iPads that they could use, but they just prefer print. Um, they like the physical thing. And I don't know if it's because they're working on their fine motor coordination. It makes them more feel like an adult. Something else, some other quality, I don't know. But they just do. Um, and that enduring preference for print by most people is something that may resist whatever market forces and Amazon and ebooks and publishing and whatever, um, or at least make it much more resilient than we. It's going to go down with. It's going to take a few more punches than maybe we thought for it to go down. If it's going to go down, all right. So good. Yes, good. On the whole, I, I think A plus. <laughs> I think it's. I think. I mean, the other side of the story for me is I don't want either digital or print to win. I think digital gives us so many things that we didn't have before, and I think print yeah. gives us so many things. I don't want there to be, I don't want there to be a monoculture on the other side. I don't want Amazon to have everything, but I also don't want, you know, brick and mortar store to have everything. I, I like I like competition. Maybe that's my, the most American part about me is I, I like a little bit of competition to keep things spicy and. Well, there's so many accessibility options oh, God, digital yes. gives you now yeah. that there's no way I don't I don't think we could ever yeah, go back no, to just honestly no. saying that print is yeah. superior because and audiobooks I mean the other thing that they don't count here I don't think they count audiobooks as ebooks um oh, in yeah, these okay. these sorts of things which they're not I mean right because they're 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 audio yeah but they're certainly digital they're books, digital yeah. right so if you, I wondered if you if you drew the pie where you had sort of digital books versus print books um, what the pie would look like. Cause audiobooks are taking off and in my own personal pie chart, uh, show title, um, <laughs> audiobooks are, I mean, it looks like, it looks like Pac-Man on steroids just eating the rest. Um, there's still some of print and ebook, but that's the slice. That's the segment that has grown, um, enormously over the last four or five years, um, and continues to do so. Um, but you know, one thing, you know, one thing you're not going to get in a digital bookstore is a discount if you're carrying a gun. <laughs> there it is. But yep. if you go to a bookstore in Texas, it's called Brave New Books. Of course it is. Uh, you will get a 10% discount on your purchases if you are openly carrying a, uh, a gun. 
Uh, Brave Can I just? I, I need to point out that the stock. Of <laughs> this is the stock photo is amazing. Is great. No, no, no. But also, the, what they carry in the store oh, is yes. a mix of conspiracy, economic policy, history, political books, as well as selections about sta- sustainability and preparedness. There it is. Yeah. I just need that. Everybody just ruminate on that for a second. Okay. This is where all the dudes in the Oregon standoff went to shop for each other for Christmas, basically, yeah. is what this place is. Uh, it's called Brave New Books in Austin, celebrating relaxes, re- relaxation of Texas laws by offering a discount to shoppers who open carry. Um, you have to be legally open and carry. No illegal. No legal. I don't think you can reward people for illegal activities. <laughs> for my, that I think is technically called being a, a accessory after the fact. Um, made the announcement in late January. Uh, it's the only open carry friendly bookstore in Austin, and dare I say. Uh, the only one on this great green globe that uh, this that we inhabit. Um, yeah, uh. anti anti war, anti state, and pro market. Um, so basically, I Mad Max, like, I guess. Is right. They, yeah. So just in case you are ever going to Austin <laughs> and you're drawing up the list of bookstores and you happen to see brave new books, I'd say you might want to take this into account in your knowledge of whether or not. And one way gonna, or the other, depending. One on way or the other. I'm, you know, it's just it knowledge that now you have. Or if you're, you know what, if you're operating on, you know, under a budget, um, strap on your, your Colt 45 and, and go over there. Um, it's a more, more of like a uh, Moby, Moby lives, the, uh, Melville house blog speculated that brave new books move look like less like a political stand than a canny marketing stunt that preaches to the converted. I would say that's probably true. Well, probably not a bad move is. for its existing or possible, um, potential clients to, to be welcoming of guns. Uh, and I guess you just must, I guess if you work there, you just have to be okay with people walking around with guns. Uh, boy, that scares the living yeah, tar, no. tar out of me. Would not. I can't yeah. imagine what I would do. I mean, like, obviously Virginia has open carry yeah. laws, but if Have I, you ever seen someone openly carrying there? Yeah. You have? Okay. Not when I was worked in the bookstore, though. Right, I right, probably right. would have asked them to leave, maybe. Because, like, don't come in here with the guy. I automatically <laughs> assume you're going to rob me. Yeah, Right. And then I would, I guess, have to just deal with the fallout, but I would not have responded well to somebody walking around openly carrying a firearm around my customers when we have children in the store and I don't know you and you might be crazy. You might be, you know, like, you might not know how to work that thing. Get out. I just know <laughs> there's no reason to carry the gun. Just, there's just no reason to do it. Um, but there you go. I, you know, I wonder if I could find a list of the craziest bookstore discounts. <laughs> Hard to beat that one. Um, yeah. I'm not sure I'd have a. I'm not sure I'd have something that could cap that. Um, before we got a couple more stories to get to. Do yeah, could just a couple more. But we're gonna take our second sponsor spot for our own thing, uh, and it is the Steamy Reading Box. All right, oh, so yeah. so here's the deal: get four of our favorite sexy books, both fiction and nonfiction, and four bookish items for a hundred bucks. There's only there's only a few. There's only not there's not that many of these available. It's not in, infinitely available. Uh, total value of the contents is definitely above $100, and no, none of the products in there are repeated from any of our specialty boxes or quarterly shipments. So if you've done a quarterly subscription through us or done another one of our boxes, you're not going to have to fear that you're going to get something the same. You can go to store.bookriot.com now to, to buy one. I know what's in there, um, and if this is something that's interesting, I think you're going to like it. i got a good story. Um, we we partner our, with our friends at Out of Print to do our store, and the rumor was that one of the titles in there was so interesting to the guys in the warehouse that they were asking if they could take one or where they could buy one and what it was about. So even that, that, you know, just the packing them alone was uh, seductive, I should say. Mm. 
Um, so, I also know it's at the Met. And I think it's worth noting that Rebecca put these boxes together. And Rebecca, by education, yes. was educated to be a sex therapist. And yes. so her picks for a steamy reading box of sexy books that includes both fiction mm-hmm. and nonfiction are bound to be excellent. And they are excellent. And they are diverse in a variety of variety, ways. All the ways that we care about. Um, yes. And all the ways that you would care about books about sex being yes. diverse. Yeah, yeah. So I think if this is the kind of thing you're interested in. You're gonna, it'd be a nice gift for someone for Valentine's Day, nice gift for yourself for Valentine's Day, nice gift for yourself uh, in general. Um, and, our, and, our, and our friend and coworker, Scott, who did our creative for this, really knocked it out of the park because it's he a, it's a it's, I dare I say, a, a steamy uh, logo we've got there for the steamy read box. Um, so if you're interested in that, uh, go check it out, store.bookriot.com. Uh, and if you liked it, and if you ordered it, let us know. I'd like to know if this is the kind of thing you guys are interested in. Podcast at bookwrite.com is our email there. Okay, just a couple more stories here. Um, Harlequin and 17 to debut a new imprint. This is so smart. Isn't this smart? Tell, yes. tell, did, you, did you read this? Do you want to tell me about this? You just to, or, yeah. or, or you can walk us through what's going on here a little bit. Harlequin Teen has set up a new imprint with Seventeen Magazine, yeah. uh, which I used to read as a teenager mm-hmm. and has a, a readership of 15 million people. Wow. Both- Printed online and has been going for 70 years. And I did not realize the readership was that large. 50 Huge. Million. 50 million. That is so big. Yeah. Uh, so their first book, uh, which comes out in September, is by Melissa De La Cruz and is about the daughter of Filipino immigrants, which I am so here for, who is living in America. And then she finds out that her family is actually not legally resident or does not have legal residence mm-hmm. in the U.S. and they may or may not be deported. So it's an important, uh, you know, timely kind of topic by a not unfamous author in right. YA. Right. Melissa De La Cruz is a pretty big name. So yeah, what it's, this is, I think, a really smart partnership. Harlequin is going to, Harlequin Teen is going to continue to pick the books mm-hmm. in partnership with Seventeen, and then Seventeen is going to publish excerpts and interviews and whatnot mm-hmm. in the magazines for the readers. So Really interesting. Har- uh, Harper, uh, excuse me, Harlequin is now owned by HarperCollins. We've covered that story um, for a couple of years ago. The new imprint will release four Works of realist, realistic fiction annually, and it should be it should say Harlequin Teen is not just romance, and I don't even know if Harlequin Teen publishes romance or even if it's the language they use. Harlequin has its own, in addition to their their robust and um, uh, esteemed romance titles, they have YA titles through Mira, another Mira imprint. So it's not. It doesn't sound like these are going to be focused on romance. That's when I saw the headline. I'm like, well, that's interesting. Romance specifically for. Teenagers. I thought it was going to be like new adult. Yeah, right. But not so much. But new adult isn't necessarily romance, right? Usually. Because there's no H-E-A, no happily ever after. Not necessarily happily ever after a new adult, right? Wait, you're so hashtag complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've come to learn, and, and I'm learning still, about the particulars of romance as a genre with all the definitions that go along with it. And it seems to me that the 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 differentiating factor of a romance is that it has a happily ever happily ever after. Well, it needs to have an emotionally satisfying ending. Some some readers oh, will okay. say that the happily ever after isn't always necessary and is actually kind of discriminatory because there are some people who can't have right. happily ever yes. afters yes. because society frowns upon their romances. But, so as long as the ending is emotionally satisfying to the reader, even if they aren't happily ever after, it can still right. be considered yes. romantic. Yes, yes. Depends. Um, <laughs> but we could get caught in that. Particular rat's nest, <laughs> but but that's not the even whatever definition of romance you use. That is not what Harlequin Teen and Seventeen are doing here. Um, I think this is super smart, um, and at least will be if it's a failure, it'll be an interesting failure. You know, like I like to see these kinds of things where people are trying uh, something different. Um, 
the imprint was inspired by Seventeen and Harlequin's mutual love of money. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It says, <laughs> uh, mutual love of a terrific story that can entertain and inspire readers. I'm guessing that Seventeen must get some sort of revenue share. Mm-hmm. Um, so Harlequin Teen will get basically free marketing. Well, they'll get market. They're trading marketing to Seventeen for, I would assume, a revenue share. Says a true hands-on collaboration between the partners, the Harlequin team and seventeen staffers are going to consider submissions together to acquire projects. They're both going to contribute notes. Well, that's interesting. I wasn't sure about that. It doesn't say anything about the financial arrangement. Of course, that's the thing I'm most interested in. Right. Um, it's interesting that there's a focus on diversity. Yes. For yeah. both of them. Yeah. The executive editor of Harlequin Teen said, with Seventeen, we found a partner who shared our enthusiasm enthusiasm for championing compelling fiction featuring diverse characters. Mm relevant themes and realistic storylines that both our readers are interested, which makes sense, I suppose. I mean, like, you know, the younger you go demographically in America, mm-hmm. the less white right. demographics become. So yeah, it makes the most sense for 17 and Harley Quintin, I suppose. So that one I'm going to, um, that one I'm going to follow. I'm going to yeah. see what, I'm interested to see what they push there. Last story of the week, then we got to get out of here. Um, male Mu- Mayor Muriel Bowser uh, in, uh, was it Washington, D.C.? Mm-hmm, yep. D.C. Uh, kicked out the new Books from Birth program at the Children's National Health System. The new Early Literacy Initiative will provide a free book each month by mail to children under the age of five in the district whose families signed up for the program. The goal is to prepare district youth to start school and encourage more parents to read with their children. Um, Let's see. The bill was incorporated into the fiscal year 2016 Budget Support Act of 2015. Boy, that's classic budget language. Uh, Yeah, so basically if you have a kid under five, you can sign up and get a book in the mail. That's, That's it. That's awesome. Yep. Um, study, they, they cite some studies here to, to, to buttress the argument that this is good, though I don't know who's making the counter-argument. 86% and 98% of the words used by a child by age of three come from their parents. When activities like singing, talking, and reading do not happen, researchers estimate that a baby misses hearing roughly 30 million total words and has a vocabulary that is two to three times smaller than children who had early literacy interactions by age four. And then that's the start of a, you know, that can be a widening achievement disparity curve um, in school readiness and long-term success with education. Uh, the Library will reach families through partnerships with organizations like Children's National Health System, the Dollywood Foundation, United Healthcare, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, so if you're in D.C. or know someone that's in D.C. and w- want a book, um, you can go, I think, just Google search for Books from Birth, or I will put a link in the show notes to this story, which also has a link. Um, yeah. I don't know what to say anything about but go yeah, DC. Yeah, awesome. um, I know Dolly Parton has been doing this for a long time. She had the Dollywood Foundation, and she would give, um, she would basically her foundation would send you a book. We signed up for it in Brooklyn. Our kids got Dolly Parton books. They were great. Uh, I so think good. I think those were under the age of three, but I might I might miss remembering that. Um, since the initial launch in 1995, Dollywood has mailed wait for it 75 million books. To children uh-huh. in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and Australia. Go ahead, Miss Parton. I know, I know. It's it's under. She's underrated as a as a book patron in the in the U.S. and abroad. Clearly, I mean, just people know about Reading Rainbow and some of these other programs. Mm-hmm. But Dolly Parton probably has given away more books to charity than than almost any. I can't think of another single individual that would have given away more. Um, so, books from birth. Good job, DC. Good job, Dolly Parton. Um, as always, that's our show. What fast? Thanks for being here, Amanda. You, you, you and I have a couple of uh, 
We're going to have a, an ongoing date in March. Shinsky's going to be in New Zealand. She is. So you got to saddle up with me for a few weeks. Lucky duck. Uh, we'll ride across this Cormac McCarthy hellscape of the book world together. <laughs> <laughs> you can find her on Twitter at I'm Amanda Nelson. No apostrophe because the, the grammar impoverished folks over there don't let you have uh, apostrophes in your username, um, which I am especially attuned to since I am at the Jeff O'Neill. Uh, you can find show notes for this and other episodes at bookriot.com slash podcast. You can email us, podcast at bookriot.com. If you've got questions about the show, thank you so much to Audible for sponsoring the show. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash bookriot to get your free trial. Go to store.bookriot.com to check out our steamy reading box. It's 100 bucks. You get some books. You can get book stuff. Uh, get those engines revved. Or learn about getting those engines revved. Both, both are kind of happening there at the same time. Um, Amanda, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>